Welcome to Success Beneath the Surface, hosted by Deborah Fell, Managing Partner at Chief Outsiders. Deborah provides insights specifically for CEOs from growth-oriented companies. Andre Soron, Chairman, ConnectorNet, it's great to see you again. Uh, I wanted to have you on the show because you spent a lifetime creating transformational change in healthcare, taking companies, systems, and institutions through some of its most challenging times. And in fact, you just shared that you're launching a new company this week called Exact Leaders, which really supports turnaround and restructuring of healthcare companies that really need uh, such services. So I'm glad you could join me, Andre, at this moment, and sh please share with our listeners of CEOs and founders such as yourself, your story, uh, how you got from where you were to where you are today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm, I'm a clinician by trade and by heart, at heart. I'm a physical therapist. I um, started my career providing one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one healthcare to people, and at some point in time, I felt the need to impact a larger magnitude, more than one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. So that, that's how I started my managerial track. And um, I started to uh, manage small hospitals initially, then large hospitals in, in Massachusetts. After that, I was the president of Detroit Medical Center, which is a large academic center, eight hospitals, 12,000 employees, uh, oh, wow. $2.5 billion in, in revenues. And then I joined a private equity company. Uh, we bought a healthcare system in California, a struggling healthcare system, which was uh, uh, Daughters of Charity, with name in Verity. We were successful in turning around that system. And, um, you know, in the tradition of private equity, uh, we, we found a buyer and, and sold the company. Um, after that, I had the privilege of doing another turnaround and restructuring with Trident, which is probably the largest platform for lab and imaging services to post-acute care. Following the successful um, restructuring of that company, I joined Pipeline, which is uh, a healthcare system made of seven hospitals in Chicago, Dallas, and California. The system was struggling and uh, we needed to do a sale of a couple of the hospitals and then restructuring uh, for operational and financial reasons the rest of the hospitals and we emerged successfully. Uh, following that, I, I started to do more of activities that I've, I've done before, advising and sitting on several boards of public and private companies. And uh, at some point in time, I was approached by many of my colleagues uh, who were inquiring about the connections that we all have as uh, networkers in, in healthcare. And everybody was explaining and expressing the frustration with the inability to connect to the right people to establish partnerships or sales or ah, development. Yes. And that's how the ConnectorNet has started as a is a need for lead generation by healthcare executives to promising companies that otherwise don't have the access. So not everybody is a General Electric, not everybody is a Philips, but a lot of people have very innovative products, services, ideas. Yes. And um, uh, we're establishing a large network of executives that can connect between promising companies 
and healthcare executives that can introduce them to potential clients. Um, the company is going very, growing very fast. There is obviously a lot of interest. Yeah. It is also combined with the current economic situation, which um, makes cold calls essentially impossible. Yeah. So you need to know somebody to, to be able to, to accomplish some of your goals. I also joined a venture capital fund because of my experience with uh, more on the operational side. Yes. I'm not one who discovers the next new innovation, but at least I know what works or doesn't mm -hmm. in the context of healthcare. So I'm, I'm helping uh, Sanara Capital, which is a venture capital fund, deploying commercially in the United States, okay. those companies. Uh, last but not least, we started the exact leaders, and we'll talk a little bit more about this because it's relevant to the activities that I'm usually engaged in. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. I mean, when we were speaking just before we started to record here, I said you've spent your life really helping companies, uh, but you started by helping people one-to-one. -one. Then, as I recall, if I'm getting this right, you were in a hospital, then you were working in a hospital that had seven hospitals, which is a massive hospital system. And then you got involved on both the buy side and the sell side, working within private equity. Now you can see 360. You're like, speaking of your medical, you, you can do like a, a sonogram <laughs> on these problems. You've seen the inside and the outside of them and what makes them tick and, and where, the, where the flaws are. And so now you are kind of reaching in, in some ways, certainly not the last, but an ultimate point where you are serving such a role to help awesome talent with great capabilities connect with companies with great potential where there is great need. So that I, I sort of see looking from the outside in that trajectory and that to me, you're serving now almost you know, going from one-to-one -to, -one to, to hospitals to multiple healthcare systems, you're now going to the entire healthcare ecosystem because you can bring talent, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, to that entire ecosystem. Yes, very interesting ob observation and obviously very relevant. Uh, throughout my career, I went from non-profits to for-profits. I was on the side of the management, then I uh, was on the side of the investment, uh, and first and foremost on the clinical side. Yes. So at some point in time, like you described, uh, you get a 360 perspective, mm -hmm. and slowly, <laughs> through many errors, you, you start finding out what actually works. Yeah. I've been fortunate to have several uh, successes with private equity and, uh, yes. and in, in other circumstances. Yes. And uh, I'm trying to share with others the lessons that I learned, okay? And, and sometimes um, it's not necessarily what you do, it's a lot of times what you shouldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that is something that they, it's a recipe for some level of success. Yes. I can give you an example. Please, from, that from... would be great. I'd love to hear all the lessons, but whatever you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> So in one of the companies that, that I had the privilege of uh, leading, we had a very, very uh, large footprint in almost every state in the country. Mm -hmm. And while there were states where uh, we were marginally profitable, the logistics and what we call, at least in my companies, the calories needed to manage that 
Ah, great expression. Was detracting from the efforts that we could have done in other places. So we, we designed a, a strategy based on previous experience that we all had that we call, we, and we call it Shrink to Grow. Ah. And, and essentially what we did, we, we stopped operations in several yeah. uh, states yes. and focused in areas where we can gain market share in a more meaningful way. And while it was difficult for the company, because those were yeah. essentially not losing propositions, but mm -hmm. comparable, right. we were doing better by spending the time, capital, energy in, in another place. I find that if you have not gone through this or you don't have experience or somebody who can, yeah. can share with you that kind of uh, insight, a lot of people have some difficulties taking steps. I'm sure. In fact, it, it can sound like heresy, like to shrink a company to grow. Like, what does that mean? You know, it's very hard when it's all about growth, growth, growth to really make those strategic trade-offs. So you're dealing yeah. with making those strategic trade-offs, but you have to get a few folks to come along for the ride with you. And that's change. That's big change challenge. That is one example. Another example in my in one of my latest uh, engagements, we actually decided to sell part of the portfolio in order to allow the resources to be spent on the rest of what's yeah. left inside. Those are decisions that you know for every CEO, they're lonely decisions that you have to make, and and you have yeah. to bear the responsibilities. Yes, I can't tell you that. That's a hundred percent success uh, guaranteed, but especially in companies that need turnarounds or, yes. or restructuring, yes. you have to, to take steps of that magnitude. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because in work that I've seen, even in other industries, there are companies that are spending calories. I love that expression. I'm going to use it with your permission, <laughs> if that's okay, on unprofitable products and services while those where they could be making money are starved for resources, but nobody's looking at it at a level of detail. And it's all about, well, how can we get this service more profitable, which is well and good, but at what cost? Today, we've been highlighting an organization that's been making waves in the business world, Exact. Exact is the leader in healthcare organizational restructuring and business turnaround. At Exact, you'll find a team of seasoned executives who specialize in guiding healthcare companies through complex and uncertain times. They understand the challenges businesses face and are here to help you navigate them. Exact offers tailored solutions that establish effective organizational frameworks, revamp your operational processes, and transform your business strategies. So whether you're experiencing financial turmoil or need a fresh approach to revitalize your business, Exact has the expertise you need. To learn more about how Exact can help your company thrive, visit their website at exactleaders.com. And we're back. So I think this has, has to be a very challenging and, and like you say, one of those major two, three very strategic decisions a CEO has to make and own for a company. I'll give you another example that many CEOs in healthcare exclusively the ones that run hospitals have to make at some point in time. Providing maternity services is crucial for communities that we serve. Yes. However, the volume of such a service is critical because 
at least in general, if you do less than 600 deliveries a year in a, in a hospital, it is not self-sustainable. In many locales, the service is very needed, but the volume is not there. And a lot of times, boards and CEOs have to have a dialogue, honest dialogue, mm -hmm. not only amongst themselves, yeah. but with the communities that they serve, yes. to figure out if that service remains wow. viable. Yeah. Those, are, those are very significant decisions that you have to make, not only in restructuring, you have to make this for sustainability and financial viability. Yeah. And those require experience, those yes. require um, uh, insight, and yes. sometimes, um, you know, a helping hand from outside. Right, right. And, and perhaps that's where, you know, some of these, these ideas for partnerships, you know, and collaborations can come mm -hmm. into the picture to continue to serve the community. But that's, again, a whole different layer of this. So it strikes me as I listen to you that you have, and maybe you don't want me reminding you of this, but that you have chosen a field where half the population thinks it's like, why should they make money? Why, or healthcare is making too much money. The, the healthcare business is, and they're impacting uh, families and individuals, you know, high cost. And at the same time, these are businesses that have to be managed, have to be successfully managed. There are profit consideration. So the forces that are always at play in any for-profit company are greatly amplified here where it is becomes a matter of life and death or what my life is like in making these kinds of trade-offs and decisions. Is healthcare a right? <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a debate and as a clinician, first and foremost, I would say everybody should have access to healthcare. Yes. And yeah. that is something that uh, should be embedded in the fabric. Yes. I would also tell you that I have, um, I have a a significant amount of international experience in other markets and there are contradicting facts on one side you know we're spending 17 to 20 percent of gdp on, in healthcare which is double triple than most other countries wow on the other side i would tell you that a lot of people throughout the world if they get really sick, they'd rather be in the United States. Yeah. yeah. So you have this contradiction or, or those uh, forces of, of saying, yeah, we don't reach everybody here. So there is a lot of work to be done in the United States to make access right. Um, the level of medicine is very high. And in other countries, you have the healthcare covered. But if you look at the... At Great Britain healthcare system right now, which is in stress and crisis, and I'm getting phone calls from there about how can this be helped, and and it's a lot about politics and resources. Yeah. They don't have the resources, they don't have the clinicians, mm -hmm. the staff, the technology, and you wait eight to ten months for for a procedure. So there is a balancing act. You know, there are some countries that have done it well. I don't think you can really provide high level of healthcare on the cheap. I think that yeah. that it costs. Now, there are a lot of things that we can do better here. And I would say, as unpopular as it may seem, for-profits do have a tendency of controlling cost. Okay, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna address the profits because as famously 
the nuns used to say, you know, no margin and uh, no mission. Uh, you, you can't fulfill your, your duty to the communities that you serve if you don't have enough capital to, to spend and, and keep the, the businesses viable. Yes. But um, there is a lot to be gained in a non-profit area from the experiences that the for-profits have had. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of practices that, that private equity brings to the table that are valuable, some that are not. Mm-hmm. So it's a mixture of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you put together a management team that's strong enough, mm-hmm. if you complement it in areas, because you can't be perfect in all the things. Yes. In some areas, you need some complements mm-hmm. and some some skill you can make it happen. I'm actually happy to give the example of your company. To be able to secure and maintain marketing and sales activities at the very high level, it's probably not feasible for all companies. If you can complement this with expertise from outside, you get what you're paying for. So, So you can actually, at the end of the day, be more economical by accessing resources that otherwise you you wouldn't come across because you wouldn't be able to afford. Great, great. And thank you for that, Andre. And that sort of leads us to your new startup, you know, that you are launching this week. Talk a little bit more of that about that because I would imagine that there are many that this will pique their interest where there is great need. Yes, like in every industry, people gain expertise and get to a certain level where it's almost a mismatch between your qualification and experience and what's available in the market. And it is not easy, but there are overqualified people out in the market. Yes. I've been fortunate enough to work with very, very talented people. And I can tell you that right now in the hospital industry, for example, people that have experience in non-profits, for-profits, restructuring, turnarounds, working with private equity. There are very few of them. Mm. Um, And it just happens that a lot of them have had the opportunity to work together with me. And uh, I call it opportunity, not because it's (laughs) it's something that's very important for people, but the circumstances that we've been in are unique. Yes. Unfortunately, more and more common. So... Those people uh, got together and decided that we can help at scale if we get together uh, with our skills and offer our services to the market in more of a niche format. And this niche format is this transition. Mm -hmm. Companies that are getting to a level that they're in distress, but before they destroy everything internally, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good uh, that can be done. Mm-hmm. During restructuring, uh, most of the people don't have experience with, with, with anything from vendor management, 13-week cash flow analysis. You know, as CEO in healthcare, you work with a PL, your lenders and your bank works with cash. There is a distance there, and a lot of people get caught by surprise when they realize that on paper, maybe they're doing fine, and yet they're running out of resources. So a group of us, it's not a small group, 10 to 20 people have decided that we would be able to help healthcare, not only hospitals, but other healthcare organizations in this transition that they have. Yes. And we can do this in a more economic 
fashion than one of the, some of the big scum, uh, big consulting companies, which obviously they have a lot of talent. What we bring is operational talent, uh, scars, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, failures and experiences <laughs> that not many people have. And I think that shortens the process uh, and the path for success for those organizations. Well, you can save them from some things that they might just be walking right into unknowingly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and we've seen that. I'll, I'll give you an example Please. that is very, very common in the hospital industries. Uh, we as CEO deal very little with lenders. And yet every one of us mm-hmm. is placing bonds have lines of credit, and it all stops at the CFO level most of the time. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, once distress uh, is taking hold, those are your partners. You have to know how to work with them, and you have to to help them help you. And transparency and uh, collaboration with the lenders becomes Mm -hmm. crucial in in turnarounds and, and restructuring. We can help companies with that. Yeah, you probably bring in some good relationships um, as well. It, it does seem like when you hit the point of trouble, that that's a tougher time to build the kind of relationship that you might want to have with the bank. That's a little late. Yeah. At that point in time, yeah. you're at odds and everybody is, you know, running for the exits. As you look ahead, and we'll have information because I know people are going to want to know how to reach Andre and this team. So we'll make sure that we have that information associated with this episode of Success Beneath the Surface. And I don't know if you want to share at this moment the best way to reach you or we can just put it in in the information afterwards. We've um, both Connect.net and um, Exact uh, Leaders have websites with contact information and we'll be happy to to chat with people. Sometimes... Even a informal dialogue helps people frame what they want to do, what they need. We will also start providing insights the same way um, your company is putting out information, which I think is very valuable. We will also put our thoughts out in, in forms of uh, podcasts or uh, some white papers. Right. And so I know I said it earlier, but if you had set out at the beginning of your career with a white piece of paper or, or your, your desktop and crafted your career, like just crafted it along the way and said, here's where I want to be right when the healthcare industry is at this point in time. You, it seems to me that you couldn't have handcrafted it better to be where you are, to have all the experiences you've had on all sides of the balance sheet, so to speak, and the industry and now be ready with a team who have gone through perhaps many of these experiences with you that can now turn and for fees, you know, far better than giant consulting firms, but skills, I'm sure, equal, if not better, to really serve them. So when you started out as a clinician, did you look ahead and say, okay, this is how I'm going to play it to be right at this point? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it would be a surprise, probably to the listeners or viewers, but no, I didn't draft that, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. path. Yeah. I think that one thing led to another. Yeah. I think that me and my colleagues have the tools to help. I do have regrets. My regret is the 
healthcare industry is in crisis. Yeah. And that's a regret. You know, the fact that, that me and others have the skills to help, it's a benefit that I wasn't looking forward to. <laughs> however, yeah. however, at the end of the day, we talk about a couple of things that are very, very important. First, our patient safety and health. And I think that everybody should start from there. Yes. The second thing is our employees and the fact that those turnarounds and restructure and impact a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And if you do it smartly, you know, everybody's doing layoffs. There are different ways to do layoffs. Yeah. There are ways that hurt less yes. and they're more beneficial to the organization. Mm-hmm. Then we do have a fiduciary responsibility to our investors or, or, or uh, stakeholders. Mm-hmm. It, it is normal and it doesn't matter if you're on a for-profit or non-profit. Somebody pays those bills. Yes. So we, we have to make this work for them. So for all those reasons, I'm happy that I'm involved in an industry that actually changes lives, saves lives and contributes to the, to the society to a very large extent. So I think I'm fortunate that, that I'm in healthcare. Yes. I'm fortunate that I had all those experiences and I can share with others. I would just wish that our industry would be in a better place today. Well, you have met the mission and you're on a very important mission, you and your team. And so thank you for sharing that mission and sharing all your accomplishments and how you're going to be using it in the future with us here today. I pr- really appreciate that, on Andre. Thank you very much, and thank you for doing the work that you're doing, because I think that uh, you're providing insight to many of us who need this kind of insight. So thank you very much. Great. And to my listeners, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and review in your favorite podcast apps and subscribe to the Chief Outsiders YouTube channel. And tune in next week. Thank you. CEOs need help growing their companies, but don't always have the time or money to hire a full-time chief marketing officer, CMO, or chief sales officer, CSO, or both. Recruiting a quality, full-time executive can take months, not to mention the ongoing cost. In these challenging times, CEOs need battle-tested growth executives who can help companies successfully navigate the uncertain waters. Partner with chief outsider CMOs and CSOs who will function as strategic operators to build and execute your growth engines. Be sure to subscribe in all your favorite podcast apps. Just look for Success Beneath the Surface. Chief Outsiders, part-time growth executives with full-time results.